This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Ed Bivig. He is 72 and has been in recovery from alcohol for over 46 years. He started drinking at age 13, and by the time he was 26 had totaled five cars in drunk driving crashes, yet was never arrested. Finally, he was charged after nearly swerving into a police car. The judge gave him a choice between jail or enrolling in the new St. Peter's Addiction Recovery Center program. He faces his demons every day, counting each sober day over 17,000 as a victory. His advice to others who are battling addictions, I don't care if you've tried to stop drinking or drugs 10 times. There's the 11th time. It's been a it's been a long trip on this journey that I've been on, and and that I hope continues for life. I'd like to hear about that journey. Can we start at the beginning in how it was you fell into the the problem of alcoholism? How how did that start? Well, uh, one of one of the major issues I believe, Melissa, is that uh, growing up. I started drinking around me uh, at home, and uh, and I believe that I thought that, uh, and this is at 13 years old, that I was going to decide to show people how to drink, and so uh, it started at 13, uh, and this is drinking in my basement at home and taking taking bottles of beer out of the back of a case so that people didn't know I was drinking their beer because uh, we had cases of beer delivered to the house. And uh, and so I would take them out of the back of the case or even take, uh, we had a barrel of hard cider that was, uh, that was so bad you couldn't drink it the way it was. Uh, you had to mix it with like with orange juice or something to swallow it. Uh, those, I think, looking back, it's all part of, where I was headed, uh, uh, as a, uh, at a young age, uh, and I got away with this for, for some time. Uh, and, uh, I actually graduated. I don't even know how I did it at times as far as graduating from high school, because, uh, I would do, uh, almost anything to get beer or anything, even if, uh, I had to pick up beer bottles and soda bottles on the way to a store where I'd go up and buy three quarts of uh, Knickerbocker beer, which is, uh, I should have known then I had a problem if, if you're drinking three quarts of beer that cost a dollar. Mm. Uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was that, uh, the stuff was bad, uh, but uh, I did it. Uh, uh, I didn't realize at the time that, I could just stop. Uh, and of course I didn't know that I couldn't just stop. Uh, and the drinking, uh, went on, uh, uh, without much of a major issue until, uh, probably I didn't get a license till I was 21 years old because I didn't worry about driving. I, I was more worried about drinking. So, uh, so when I, uh, did get a license because, uh, I got a job with a, the New York telephone company and I had to 
uh, have a license to work there. So I went out and got a driver's license. And even at that moment, I knew that my issue with drinking would be a problem with my driving. So uh, anytime that I would be out drinking, I would call people up to pick me up uh, and take me home. So, and that worked for a while until I ran out of people to call. Uh, and then it was a short trip, uh, that I could, uh, that I would make home. So I would try that in a, so within, uh, a six month period, uh, I totaled five brand new cars. Oh my goodness. Uh, and, uh, and the problem being was, is that, uh, it was 1974. The end of 73, end of 74, and I was never arrested for any of those crashes. And and police were at the scene of some of them because they were some real, uh, some of those cars were totaled. So they weren't, uh, I drove into a building in Albany, the Gaslight Tavern. I drove into the basement part of it. Uh, I turned a corner off Broadway by Colson's in Albany and drove right into a building. Uh and that was with a brand new Impala. Uh, I drove uh, off the road coming out of West End Lake uh, into Rensselaer, and I uh, I had my three-year-old son in the car. And I actually, at that crash, I could have killed my own son. And that didn't stop me from drinking either. Uh, and that was part of, because whenever I had a crash, I would stop drinking for a couple weeks uh, and think that life would go on from there. And uh, so uh, I knew I could stop drinking for a couple weeks because I knew I was going to go back. And uh, so I did that uh, and it went on and on. And uh, it just, it was just a a thing that uh, I lost so much control of it. And drinking was that important to me that uh, that's what I had to do. Uh, I couldn't even, I couldn't leave uh, any place I was at without having beer with me in the car. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable not having beer with me. Uh, and and people, when I first stopped drinking, people would look at that and say that all you drank is beer, and that was what I drank. And so many people thought that, well, what what is beer going to do? And uh, well, the amount I drank, I would drink so much beer that I would get sick. I would get sick and then I would immediately start drinking over. Uh, and that's who I was. Uh, and this went on until, uh, I was 26 years old and I was driving, uh, home from a union meeting, uh, off of Fuller road. I lived in Selkirk at the time. Uh, I turned around and I went, uh, I left Fuller Road and I was arrested later uh, in East Greenbush, which is not a direct route to Selkirk. Uh, but I, I was, I didn't actually know where I was. Uh, a policeman followed me for nearly two miles. Uh, the East Greenbush Police Department, uh, they didn't know what they were going to do with me because I had turned and was heading down Route 20 towards the city of Rensselaer, and they thought I would drive into something if they couldn't get me pulled over. 
for some reason, I must have seen the flashing lights or something because I did stop. Uh, and the policeman immediately wanted to know if I knew why I was stopped. And, uh, and so I knew it, there was some answer I had to give him. So I told him that I wanted to know if I was weaving. And he said, you weaved right at my police car. And uh, so I said, uh, well, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know where, where to go from there. And he said, uh, when you came out of the intersection uh, in East Greenbush, you drove right at my police car and didn't know it. He says, because your head never turned or nothing. He says, you were like in a trance. And uh, so I was arrested for the only time uh, for a DWI. And uh, I was tested. I was taken to the East Greenbush Barracks because they didn't test uh, in uh, East Greenbush, the local police department. They took me to the state police barracks. And I was tested at a point two all. And, uh, but I didn't have to appear before a judge then. I was released and I had to appear before a judge a week later. And, uh, and when I went back a week later to East Greenbush, I met this judge that probably saved my life, uh, Justice Patrick Manny in East Greenbush. Uh, I went there and I'm, I was carrying my son at the time in my arms. Uh, I had shaved the beard off that I had and, uh, and the judge said that how neat and clean I looked after he, because he had already been told about how I looked when I was arrested. Uh, and he thought that was uh, rather wonderful that I was all of a sudden carrying my son with me and I was just one upstanding citizen. So what I didn't know, though, is that all the accidents that had happened in the past were listed in motor vehicles, even though I wasn't arrested they were listed as accidents at two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning. So when the judge looked at that, he realized that he had a problem and what to do with me, because even though I had never been arrested uh, with a blood alcohol content of 0.20, he realized he was dealing with a problem that he didn't want to send back out onto the street. And, uh, and luckily for me, he had just attended a program in 1974 at uh, St. Peter's Hospital. Uh, they had just started the Spark Clinic at St. Peter's Hospital for the treatment of addiction. Uh, I was one of the first people to go there. I was sent there by the judge. I was given a choice. I could go to jail or go to this program. So for eight weeks, I had to attend a program. Uh, and at the end of eight weeks, I would have to go back before the judge. So for eight weeks, uh, I knew who I was. So for eight weeks, I couldn't drink. So I knew that at the end of eight weeks, I'd be fine as long as I got through this program. So so for eight weeks, I went to the program, did everything I had to do to be there. And uh, at the end of eight weeks, the counselor uh, at St. Peter's asked me what my plan was at the end of uh, this eight weeks and and probably part of my issue was is the fact of being honest i told her for eight weeks i'd been looking at a bar around the corner from st peter's hospital Mm. and i and i mentioned to her that i was going uh there for five drinks 
and she questioned the factor of whether I was stupid or not. Uh, she said, you've been here for eight weeks and now you're telling me that you're going to get five drinks. So I told her that it would have been 10 before and now it was going to be five. And she wasn't very happy with my response. And she stood in front of me and luckily this woman had been through recovery herself and she knew who she was dealing with. And she said, Ed, I can make a promise to you today that will work for the rest of your life. And I'm looking at a woman like, okay, she just doesn't want me to have my five drinks. I, I already know this. So she, uh, she says, Ed, your problem is not five or 10. Your problem is one. She said, I can promise you if you never have one, uh, you won't ever have this issue again. Uh, and luckily for me, that session at the end of this program is, has given me a life that I don't even, I wouldn't even guess where to go from because, uh, if I hadn't met her that day or, or if someone else had met with me that may not have been in recovery, may not have known who they were dealing with because this is almost 47 years ago and alcoholism, uh, alcoholism had a, a sign over it that I'll tell you, it was like a skull and crossbones though. And people heard that if you were willing to say you were an alcoholic, people would cringe. Uh, they, they didn't like me as a drunk. And they also didn't like me acknowledging I was an alcoholic. So uh, at the end of that, uh, I was challenged by someone who ran part of the program. He said, uh, if you think you're comfortable without drinking, I'll dare you that you can't hang around here for the next year. And so I went back to St. Peter's for a year, uh, to all kinds of meetings and everything that went on. And I said, well, uh, I might as well do this. And of course I didn't acknowledge that even family members that I was at St. Peter's hospital because over those years of drinking, they had heard too many times that Ed was going to stop drinking. And, and I certainly, when I told these people that I certainly had an idea that, uh, I was going to stop. Of course, I didn't know that how much control alcoholism had over me and how important it was to me and what I was willing to put on uh, the line and right up to my son's life uh, so that the fact that I could drink and that, and that part still, uh, after all these years, it still astonishes me that uh, I thought this was okay. Uh, but I, uh, uh, I got through that. Uh, one of the issues I had when, uh, when this all stopped, when, when I stopped going to St. Peter's after a year, uh, I, I really didn't know how to handle what to do next as far as in the first place, I didn't rush out to tell people, uh, uh, what my story was and what I did in and what happened to me and uh 
in the first place, I didn't feel comfortable at times. I didn't know, I didn't know how far I wanted to extend myself over the fact that, uh, do I want to get out there somewhere where I can't handle what's going on? And as a team, I was doing okay. So for a number of years, things went by and I worked and I, and life went on. And, uh, then, uh, probably 15 years ago, uh, I met a gentleman named Ed Frank, uh, who ran a program at, uh, Gold Choices and in Altamont on Gun Club Road. Uh, and when I saw what he presented at one of the local racetracks, he, he presented, the uh, he brought a trailer and, and it was coffins and shoes and uh, about, about people had lost their lives to drunk drivers. And, and I realized then that I wasn't, uh, doing what I should have been done probably for a long time. I wasn't sharing, uh, what I went through and why it was so important to me, uh, to do what I had been doing, uh, because so many people, even today, they they look at me and say, uh, you know, I can't believe that you did this. And, well, there's times when I can't believe I did it. But but for me to turn around now and, and to watch what I can offer people, I I wear a, a, a piece of black slate. It, I, I actually make them. Uh, uh, and on it, uh, the date of all dates, of course, is uh, 2-14-74. So on Valentine's Day, 1974, uh, I stopped drinking. Uh, and I manufacture these for people uh, now so that they can look at it. And hopefully that morning when they get up and their mind isn't where it should be, they might look at that date and think of how important it is. Because I look at that date all the time. Uh, I have shirts, jackets, hats, uh about most of my wardrobe, if I'm out walking in a mall somewhere, uh, on the back of the shirt, it says one day at a time, or on the back of the jacket, uh, it has the date. Uh, it says recovery. Uh, I want people to know who I am. I want them to know what I've been through. Uh, and I want to be able to share it with them, especially if, they're, if their next word out of them is, I just stopped drinking today. Uh I want them to know that this is possible because I was there. I was there for one day. I was there for a week, a year. Uh, and somehow, uh, most, I can't even, uh, I can't even tell you how, how I got to 46 years. It's, uh, uh, and I, I don't stop here because, uh, I work with the choices program, uh, which is not open right now because of the, uh, the virus and everything that went on. Uh, well, I also just to fill people in, I, I just want to fill people in a little that might not be familiar. The Ed Frank yep. Jr. that you talked about later died of cancer, and his father, Ed Frank Sr., started this program in Altamont um, that is was called Choices 301 because that was his son's race car name. But it's now called Just Choices. Uh, I think it was in maybe 2015. It was passed on from Ed Frank to the Sheriff's Department, and it continues to yeah. run yeah. and educate, especially young people, um, about 
the dangers of drug abuse and alcohol abuse, and you've been a participant in that and um, really uh, helped a lot of people yeah. by sharing your story. The, I, one of the things that I saw was at, at first, especially when the sheriff took the program over, uh, uh, here I am uh, uh, getting towards 70 years old, and we're looking at eighth graders coming from Gilliland schools, uh, and and like in Gilderan's case, they have a unique way of doing it. They send to eighth graders, and then they send them again in tenth grade, so that you have a chance. These kids have been through the program twice, and you get to see how they've grown within those couple of years uh, between elementary school going into the big pond uh, into high school and what they're going to have to face in high school. And, and some of them, especially me, because, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so crazy sometimes about the days and number of days I have that they, uh, the kids want to know that because, uh, on my, uh, on my phone, I have an app that tells how many days I have, uh, without drinking. Uh, I have an app that says how many days without smoking. I, I just, in June 14th, I had 40 years without smoking two cartons of cigarettes a week. Uh, and, and then seven years ago in January, it'll be seven years. Uh, I gave up jelly donuts at Seward's because, <laughs> uh, I was headed, I was, I was headed for diabetes. Uh, and of all things now I have an addictive personality and that's not changing. And no matter what takes place, I'm 72 and, and that's there. Uh, but a doctor has to ask me what I'm doing. Uh, my doctor said, you don't drink or smoke. She says, what on earth are you doing? She says, you're headed for diabetes. And uh, I said, could it be jelly donuts? And she said, it could be. I said, how about four jelly donuts? Uh, she said, four jelly donuts? I said, yeah, a day. And she said, that could be what the issue is. Uh, and uh and within six months, Melissa, that issue was gone because I cannot, and I know who I am, I cannot have a jelly donut because I know what it does because it's not one. Uh, and that's the way I do things. Uh, and really, uh, after all these years, it's sad that a doctor has to tell me that <laughs> now I'm addicted to jelly donuts. Uh, and I love the jelly donuts, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's, uh, I know one thing, I'd rather live without jelly donuts. Yes, uh, I can. Because in the, well, one uh, of the, in the cemetery, yep. I was just going to segue into a little bit about in the COVID era, because I know um, that that Choices program and many of the other programs have been shut down. And you had mentioned you yourself had... Um, COVID-19, and some of your family members uh, were, one of them died, is that right? I mean, how is how is coping with this yes. period yep. been for you was, with all, you know, was, uh, isolation as well as facing disease and death? Yep. Uh, yes, and uh, in March, uh, the situation started. I, I go to Florida, and I work with a, a court program in Florida on drunk driving, uh, uh, I, I'm normally in Florida in January and February, but I'm not this year, but normally I would be. And then I came home in March and, uh, and my brother wasn't feeling well. 
and uh, he told me he was going to the hospital. Uh, he gets to the hospital and he signs himself out. He refused to stay. Uh, he went home and died. Uh, 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 nine days later, his wife died. Uh, then two other sister-in-laws of mine also died. And then a nephew died and a niece died. Uh, All of so COVID-19? Within, uh, a lot of them weren't even tested, Melissa, but there was not a question because at the funeral, I went to my brother's funeral, and as far as anyone knows, that's where I got the virus because uh, in the first place, my brother's wife was still there, and uh, and some of the people that were in that room, Melissa, I wish, and no one shared with me how sick some people were. And uh, so uh, I brought that home. Uh, and And one of the things that we have to be so cautious of uh, Melissa as uh, that you get to know, especially luckily for me, I had the number of years of sobriety that I have because sometimes people make the mistake of when I've heard of people that uh, everything was fine for 25 years until something went wrong. Well, that's fine, but that means something went wrong along the way and you and you already knew it and so you have to be ready for certain things and and that's the part i think i've set my life up that way knowing that i have to i have to face things different than everybody else may face it uh because i cannot allow myself an excuse to say well maybe maybe i can uh you know maybe after all these years maybe i could have a drink uh, because there's people that, you know, uh, there's people that look at you sometimes. I've had people say to me, uh, they know people who are real alcoholics. And, and then I, I've asked these people, what, who, who do you think I am, <laughs> uh, uh, in that category? If you're, you think I'm not a real alcoholic, uh, and, it's like they don't want to say that you are because it, that, that because of the label that goes with it. Uh, for for the longest time, I would tell people I was an alcoholic, and they cringe so much. Uh, I had to change that most of to recovery because people can live with recovery, and they they're not thrilled, and they're still not thrilled today. Forty six years ago, a lot of people didn't even want to touch the word alcoholic, uh, and that that many years ago it was treated and uh and people treated you differently back then so so after this much time uh, uh certainly it's accepted more now especially with all the other issues we have but uh one of the one of the major things that i look at Melissa, is that uh a few years back before ed frank left the program uh we instituted these index cards so that before the students leave the program now they're there for three hours. At the end of three hours, they fill out an index card about their likes and dislikes of the program, whether what it is they you know saw or what or what they'd like to see. And those cards are are just so unbelievable at times. And when someone writes down about a story about uh, they loved hearing from a seventy-year-old man, hmm. and I might. I might be considered a grandfather, and that's that's the part I didn't know at first how I would be accepted. And it turns out that 
they did accept who I was because my story starts at 13 years old. And all of a sudden, when they hear that, that this is where I came from and that I got through up to 26 before it stopped. And uh, so, and some of the responses back that they were so happy to be able to hear from someone that you could go through all this and you still can make it and you still had a chance. And, and some people must say, and all of a sudden you may see a person when we go to take a break or something like that, some of these kids will come over to the side with you because they don't want to announce uh, what conditions they are in at home and what's going on in their life. Uh, so, but they want to talk to someone. And so within three hours, you're touching someone. Uh, and that's the part that it probably means so very much. Listen to that. Uh, and that's the part. That's why I've spent as much time as I possibly, every program they have, uh, I try to be there. And, uh, and then, uh, it recently, it just happened. Uh, because I was in, uh, I was in Walmart and I'm coming out of Walmart and there's a young lady and she's got three kids with her. And I, I went to hand her some money to get her kids some ice cream. And, and she looks at the slate that I'm wearing around my neck. She said, how many days do you have today? And she had went through the program hmm. a number of years ago at Altamont. And that is the part, uh, when you see that, uh, she did not forget that. And, uh, and then she proceeded to tell me that, uh, along the way she made a mistake, but she was able to tell me that. And also the fact that she's okay now. And, uh, to, those are the part, when you hear those things, Melissa, that's, that's the part that we don't know, ever know when the kid gets out after three hours and gets on a school bus and goes home that over who you've touched, but, and we don't have a clue, but, but for me, uh, when, uh, first Sergeant Tracy Mance took this program over, uh, I didn't know what it would be like. Uh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to work with a young lady that is my daughter's age. And, uh, and I'm saying, okay, what's this like? And, uh, but with her age and everything else, she had just recently, uh, her son was in Clarkson college and, and she's, uh, from that area. So she knows so many of the people. And, uh, but she's also a person that had studied to be a biology teacher. And uh, when she got done with school, she decided to be a policeman. <laughs> and uh, so she, she became a, a deputy sheriff. And, but, and it seemed to help the program that much more, most of the fact that she could turn around uh, and use the teaching part, especially when we got to the drugs uh, and the alcohol. Uh, she, she would go so deep. She would look up things. Uh, throughout the night, she'd come in the next morning and we would share things before the program would start. She would come up with videos and things that, that she found, uh, and she never stopped. And to me, it added so much. And I watched her grow in the program too. And, and that was the part where I was so very glad that I stayed, uh, to be there with her because, uh, the dedication that she puts into it, uh, uh, to me is, uh, 
it is so very great to see. And plus, she also has me to bounce things off of, Melissa, because I've lived it. Uh, and when that parent comes in, uh, especially the Stewart family or, or Sandy, the Stewart family who lost their son in that terrible Northway crash, uh, uh, when they come in that room and put their arm around me, Melissa, I'm a former drunk driver. Uh, even with all these years, I've got to turn around and uh, I I have to stop from crying because of the fact that they're they're telling me how much they appreciate what I do, and I'm sitting there saying a drunk driver killed your son, uh, and it could have been me. Uh, that's the and that doesn't go away, and I I try to make sure that the kids understand that 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 feeling. Uh, uh, because I thought I had that right. Because I, who was I hurting? Uh, and that's that's how stupid some of this stuff is. But you, you have to be able to tell the kids that this is this is the real part. Uh, you won't read it. Some of this stuff's not going to be read in a book somewhere. And uh, but it's uh, it is it is so beneficial the, the things that are out there and 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 what we see and do and. Uh, uh, the people I've met, we have, we had people coming out from Hope House to tell their stories about how, uh, uh, how what happened to them so quickly out of school, uh, and how they ended up in the problems they ended up in, where it started, uh, and House Vitality House, another program out of Albany. The people would come out of that program, and uh, and you could tell with talking with them about what they were willing to do to keep uh, their sobriety and to live in recovery because uh, at the end of some of those talks when we might have two or three people up there speaking about recovery and I at the end of it I would go up there with them and tell them that we're in a club that is the rest of our life uh, this doesn't go away this isn't a fact that you go to a doctor and the doctor says okay you're cured uh, and you go home from here and that's something you pretty much have to accept. And if you don't accept that, uh, that's the other painful part. Um, I've seen people that uh, I look at them and everything was working in life because of what they were doing. Either it was a meeting, uh, it was going back to church and straighten things out with their family. And then all of a sudden you'd ask them something and said, well, I decided I don't need meetings anymore. Uh, or, uh, well, uh, I don't bother going to church anymore. Uh, and this was what was working for them, and they gave that up. And to me, that's when uh, it frightens me to see some of these people that think what was working should change. Uh, there wasn't a need for change for some of these people. And some of the people share with us, like they may be from uh, down towards Middletown. They may be from out in Syracuse. And they'll come out to the program as, when some, some of them share with me was that I'm not going back home. Uh, that, what an unbelievable decision it is for some of these people was to know that the problem is back home. Uh, first of all, the people they know uh, and the people around them. So they, uh, they realize that they have to stay like in Albany now, now that they're here, uh, they found out there's a different life here and, and they don't have those friends that they had. That's why uh, when I look at that, I made it through the virus. 
I'm uh, in December 18th. I'll be uh, uh, I'm what my son calls my first birthday. Uh, I will be uh, 73 years old, and uh, and then uh, and when it gets to be Valentine's Day, uh, uh, it'll be uh, 47 years, and my uh, son calls that my second birthday. <laughs> in order, uh, and and to watch him, like I said, to turn around. Now he was three years old in my car crash. Uh, he works for Schenectady County. Uh, he was sent home yesterday because of a virus issue. Uh, but uh, but uh, to look at him, and now his son just went to Geneseo. And when that young man called me and told me he chose Geneseo, Melissa, over the fact that uh, some colleges are known for the drinking. And he wanted to make sure to go to some place like Geneseo where they didn't have that issue. And, uh, and the young man makes me feel proud when, uh, cause he'd written a letter, uh, that was sent to me, uh, from the, their parish church that they belong to. Uh, he'd written a letter about me, uh, about what I do, what I had done for him in his life. He said that because of Poppy and what he's done with his life, I know I can handle anything. But it, there is there's so many things, Melissa, and and that's why you know yeah. this program that Ed Frank had started uh, and the show uh, uh, when Craig Apple took this program over, uh, uh, and if anything, I was nervous about the fact of what would happen to this program and what would it be like. And uh, but uh, there are so many things, especially in that room, that it, it's such a graphic room. Uh, it is and, just uh, so people that haven't been there. There's a coffin. There are shoes representing the people that have died in car crashes. It's a very visceral experience. We've talked through our time, and I just sort of want to sum up what I'm hearing from you. Which it's I think in 1958 that the American Medical Association labeled alcoholism a disease, but you're right, there's been such a stigma, and someone like you sharing your story really helps with that stigma. And the favorite part of my the story for me, hearing it today, there's often such a tension between the criminal justice system and the medical system that sees it as a disease, and the criminal justice system that is bent on punishment and consequences. And here you were fortunate to have this judge that was enlightened enough to see what the problem was and put you on a path where you could make the choice to solve it. It's really a story with a happy ending, although I'm sure for you every day is another fight. But um, thank you for sharing this. Yeah, I I did go back to, uh, I I did actually go back to honor the judge, uh, Probably, uh, uh, it's been a few years now. I had like 33 years, uh, sobriety. I went back to honor the judge and, uh, and we brought TV cameras with us and everything. And, uh, uh, for the fact of what he'd done for me, because, uh, as far as I'm concerned, was that that judge, Patrick Manning, saved my life, uh, because he didn't find me and send me on my way. Uh, a first time offender for drunk driving. And he was concerned enough to check my driving record. Uh, and he was concerned that, and, and I think if more judges had his attitude, was because his attitude was once you were in his courtroom, he was responsible. And 
I, I would love to see more people have, have that attitude that uh, get these people some help. Please don't tell me he's been arrested 21 times uh, and nobody's done anything uh, because uh, that that part is awful. So that's the part that I I, I have. Uh, I don't know. At, at times I'm upset. At times I'm going to cry. Uh, it just doesn't. After all these years, it's a, I just uh, I just don't know at times uh, that we don't have. Uh, I think we need uh, more judges over the fact of caring enough to look at the issue, not just not just to repeat the fact that. Oh, he was here last month, or he's here next month, and uh, and I think that part is that's a part that you know, uh, and and I can't come up with a number because I don't I I don't like it. One time someone said three strikes and you're out. Well, that's fine, but if the second strike they kill somebody, they've killed somebody, uh, and those are the issues that uh, that make it that make it so very hard to look at, uh, but. Uh, I don't know. It's a we need uh we need something better, uh, without a doubt, and uh, uh, that, that uh, and hopefully in my lifetime I'd like to see something that uh, comes up with a better way of doing it uh, because uh, especially with all the stuff that when when you're looking at what some of these parents have to look at today and uh, and that uh, and the loss of these children uh, it is. Uh, no matter how often I stand with these people, it's, it's very, it's very hard to turn around and say, you know, that, you know, now these people have the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the benefits that we had with the shoe display we had in the, in our program is that we would try to get kids, first of all, to guess how many shoes were on the wall. And, and then we try to give them guess how many people were affected by that. So if you had 300 shoes, uh, was it 1,800 people that were affected or was it uh, 2,500 or, or 3,000? And that's part of, uh, that's part that we, uh, uh, that was a benefit to that part of it. And there was so, so many different displays uh, in that room and it's so uh, unusual uh, compared to, you're not going to see that in places. And, and luckily for the program, the parents, uh, wanted those things on the wall and they wanted the photos and they wanted the things and and a, and a Stewart family because behind our building is the is the is the car the Stewart car and uh and uh so many of these people are such beautiful people almost um, and and to see what they've been put through uh and and by the way the system works it's a uh it's all uh I don't know it's a there's a lot to it yeah. but uh well but, uh, I just don't know if you have some closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with. If you do, let's hear them. Yeah, it's uh, what we're doing right now. When I look at this, was that we're heading into a season right now of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and uh, if if at this time, if if you don't know what you want to give someone for the holidays or any of that. Why don't you give them the fact that you're going to get home safe? That no matter what takes place, uh, and that's the factor. If if you think a drink is that important, for a few dollars more, you can get a ride home. And 
please don't turn around and and think that well this is a short drive and this I've done it a number of times. Make it the safe route. I would much rather see you get home uh, if it's that important. But you have to plan that first. You can't plan that after you start drinking. And that's uh, if you have a plan. That's that's the part that will help you, and that's the part you got to know. And plus, uh, also go with a simple fact: I don't care if you've tried to stop drinking or stop drugs ten times. Uh, there's the eleventh time or twelfth. Uh, I I'm going with the fact that uh, there's still time, and and take it from someone that's seventy-two years old. Uh, life does not get better than this. Uh, I love life. I love. I'm thankful for every day and the people I've met and the people that have helped me on this journey. <laughs>